Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchofvictoria.com so you can check us out. Um, if you're listening to this on the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. That podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and anywhere, uh, any podcast service you can get through google so or through the android uh the google play store the android play store also if you're watching this on facebook make sure to like and share that really helps us out and if you're watching this on youtube make sure you like the video and make sure you're subscribed so you get notified every time we upload a video if this ministry has been a blessing to you in any way i'd like to encourage you head over to our website and just donate and uh donate to the ministry and help us out you know partner with us as we uh seek to teach the book and spread the gospel here in victoria absolutely so and we've got international missions as well we, mm-hmm. I mean, we're moving and grooving. That's absolutely true. We're we're uh, putting our resources in a lot of different places. That's so, right. Trying to teach the gospel. Well, like I said, this is our Wednesday evening class uh, through the Law and the Prophets. We're in Genesis chapter forty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting real real near the end here of this, of yeah. this book. Yeah, it's been we'll a good be in, book. We'll be in Exodus for long. For too long. There's a lot of good stuff coming up too, I and mean, a lot of good stuff. All right. Well, let's pray. All right, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together tonight. We pray your blessings upon us as we do this. We pray that you help give us insight, give us clarity of thought, and clarity of clarity of mind, so that we can uh, that we can really grab a hold of what's being said, and that we can teach it in a way that then talk about it in a way that is true and truthful, and that our audience can can hear it in a way that they will will strive to apply it to their lives. Father, just bless us tonight as we uh, as we study this the, these texts together. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if y'all remember last week, um, you know we've been in Genesis 44, 45, 43, all Joseph's narrative, and uh, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers last time, and it was a huge shock. It's a shock to them. It's a sh- I mean, it's a, it's a shock to him. I don't think it was his intent necessarily to reveal himself. You know, with Judah's. Um, with Judah's whole speech there and, and well, repentance and, and all of those things, I think it just touched him and he couldn't keep it in Ju- Judah is, and, and probably with maturity, the, these guys have come full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they realize what they did to him years ago was wrong. And Judah has, uh, does not have the same mindset to Benjamin that he did to Judah, I mean to Joseph. And so he said, you know, let me take his place. And like we talked about last week, he, he, a type of Christ. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a type of Christ. Uh, how uh, how uh, Christ is going to take our place. He's going to take our place on the cross so that we don't have to go there and give us freedom and give us relief from sin and from the life of sin so that uh, so that we can be accepted by God. Sure. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he, Judah is, is worried about his father and what is his father going to do and what's going to happen to his father. And, and, uh, and so he says, please, let me take his place. I, I, w- I want to take his place. You know, looking at this family, looking at Jacob and and his and his family and his his wives and their kids, and you know, I'm thinking Jacob, Isaac, Rebecca, Esau. That whole dynamic. We've looked at that um, again, a, going up another generation, right? Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac. Looking at that whole, looking at this family, um, and looking at how things have played out in Jacob's own family, Israel's own family. You know, why is it that God wants to bless us? Well, you know, I was just thinking that as you were talking. I said the one thing I think we've learned through this, and I hope we've clarified it and got it across, is these people are flawed. They are flawed individuals. 
And they and and many times you find they they don't they don't deserve anything that God's doing for them because they're because they are flawed. Now I'm not saying they're not faithful and they're not trying to be faithful, but you know they are they are a, a microcosm I think of who we are. Mm-hmm. All these folks, I mean, because we're really flawed individuals, but God's got a plan. God's always had a plan, and He's not going to let flawed individuals detract him from his plan. I mean, absolutely. There's no there's no question, right? We we said right all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, as soon as it went off the rails, God's like, I'm going to fix this. Yep. I'm going to fix this. Mm-hmm. Isaiah makes that really, really clear as well. You know, I, I don't know if you're, you probably know this, Isaiah, they, they refer to Isaiah as the fifth gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at, looking at all these flawed individuals, looking at, at my flawed life, you know, looking at our flawed society, why is it that God wants to save us? Why does he want to bless us? Why? I mean, because, you know, if it were me, you know, if it were someone else, we just... Well, <laughs> let me put it this way. All right. He tells David that David David says in the Psalms, he said, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hmm. When God creates us, we are his creation. All mankind is His creation. He creates us. He has set the wheels in motion to create the, to create us, and He loves His creation. Because it went off the rails, is is not His fault. He he because He loves so so completely, He has to try to He has to fix it. He has to make that possible. And so His plan always has been. Can you see Him looking at Eve and looking at Adam, and saying, "Don't worry, I got this. I got this." I'm going to fix it. You know, I will fix it. But in the meantime, this is what's going to happen to you. And snake, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. And so, but he said, I'm going to fix this. At some point, another one's going to come. The seed of woman's going to come and going to fix the problem. We know that it, we talked about, is the line of Judah going to be Jesus? We know that. Not these guys. It's going to be someone that's not a flawed individual. Someone that has perfection in his in his DNA, in his makeup. He is perfect. He is going to be the first fruits. He's going to be the highest ranking one that ever is going to come. And and we are and he is going to lead us in his in his train. He's going to lead us in in a victory celebration. That's what it says in Second Corinthians. That, you know, thank be to God that he always leads us in, in triumphal procession. Well, you know, he's looking at the Roman triumph and what that looked like. And he, Christ is going to lead us in that Roman triumph. That's God's plan. God's plan is the end, not all this stuff in the middle. But in the middle is all where the plan unfolds. And so I'm thankful that I am a, that I'm, I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to, to, in God's eyes, not to be flawed anymore. Because really, if you look at Abraham, and we looked at this before, remember? Mm-hmm. That Abraham doubted. Not according to God, he didn't. Because how did he see Abraham? He saw him through the prism of the plan. Yeah. He saw him through the prism of sacrifice. When Abraham sacrificed his son, was willing to sacrifice, how, you know, you look at God now, and how does he see you and I? We're flawed individuals, right? Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's not how he sees us. Yeah. He doesn't see you as a flawed individual. Nope. He doesn't see you as a as a as a thirty five year old, you know, all full of himself and all that, you know, arrogant and all that, whatever those <laughs> things are that you got. You know, he sees us perfect right. because he sees us through the blood of his son. That's how he saw Abraham. He saw him through the blood of the sacrifices. You know, he saw him perfect, not perfect, but he saw him. He saw. He, we look at him and we say, "This guy's a chump." You know, look at him. He's doubting and he's and he's trying to interject. And he's, 
no different than what we do. So I think God is, is I think God really showed us all through Genesis that uh, that He can see us in, from a position that we can never see ourselves. Mm. And I think that's all part of the plan. Yeah, I really do. That's why He wants to bless us. That's why Joseph is so much like Christ because he sees these guys from a perspective that they can't see themselves. You know, it's so important to remember that God isn't fixated on the sin. God, we are. We God, are. We are. But He's not. You know, if you if you know, it's you think of the accuser before God in the Book of Job, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, only he's only doing this because because you you got his hands on him, right? And we know the text says that that accuser stands night and day before before the Father, accusing the saints, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he wants to do. He wants to accuse us. He wants to sit there and point. And with God, it's like when the accuser points, he goes, no, I already dealt with that. And he points at his son on the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, it's God's already dealt with it. He's already handled sin. He's already fixed that problem. That was That's what this whole story is about, God Absolutely. fixing that problem. And, and guys, if you're watching and you've got some kind of problem and you've got some kind of thing that you just can't seem to get past and you're just, mm. you're just yeah. eating, your, eating your heart out, you know, the only answer is is when he points to, 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 to Jesus, that's where your eyes need to go. You that's need right. to look at Christ and say, okay, what does that mean? What are these guys trying to tell me? Because I don't understand this. And we may have someone watching, maybe not today, maybe next week, I don't know. But we may have someone that's watching and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm telling you, you come to Jesus and you let Jesus give you the answers. You go to the Gospels and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You find out who this Jesus was and find out why God points to him as the, as the solution to the problem. Go find out for yourself. And then if you still have questions, call one of us. And we'd love to talk to you. Absolutely, Absolutely love to talk to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And, and right. help you navigate through it. So, Well, we're in Genesis chapter 45, and, and it's a wonderful time to, to look at this because now we're seeing this plan of God unfold. Mm-hmm. Joseph went through some deep, dark things. Yes. But God had intentions in that. And so now it is to not only bless the current isn't it, world. Isn't it amazing, Cole? All the, I mean, you, you, your family has gone through some real garbage the last month. Mm-hmm. You know, God's got a plan. Mm-hmm. You're going, you know, this stinks. It's easy sitting on on this side where you know all the details and you can go, oh yeah, see, and this is how that worked out and stuff like that. And but there's some of it you still don't know how it worked out. <laughs> no, so no you're still idea. looking at it no, going. I'm on the other. You side. know, this stinks, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It, yeah, we're just. I'm looking at it yeah. from the side. And I'm going, <laughs> man. I can't wait to see what God's fixing to do here. Because because I've been through those things, like you're like you're going through, and I'm going. He always shows up and puts a, his spin on them, and it all. You look around later on, you go, well, that was really simple. I don't know how come I didn't see that because we're not geared that way. Yeah, we're looking at this at it from a human perspective. God's looking at it from His perspective. It's different. Yeah, you know, we just we have to we have to mature to the place where we look at, at it like like Joseph. Joseph spent a lot of time getting to the place where he looked at it like from, from this perspective <laughs> where, you know, God had a plan. I bet at the, at the very beginning when he's running for his life from Potiphar's wife, he's not, you know, thinking, God, what, what, what next? Now jail? Right. What next? He just didn't let it dissuade him from who he was at his core. Yes. Mm. So in verse 8, uh, so then it was not you. So this is this is that whole dialogue where Joseph has just revealed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in verse six. He's talking about the famine that's going on. And he's talking about this this overall arching plan that God has had 
within the the despicable things the brothers sought out to do. I I think read verse 7 too. Sure, sure. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. See, I mean, see, God's plan was always unfolding. God's plan is always unfolding underneath the surface. You know, you you can look you can look at at the ocean when there's not a hurricane, and and you know if you go out early in the morning, man, it can sometimes it's like glass. You can see you can't see underneath. You don't see what's all under there. I mean, there's there can be sharks and there can be stingrays and there can be you know jellyfish and all kinds. But on, on the top, it's serene. God deals underneath here. That's where He's dealing. He because He sees all the bad stuff, and He's and He's navigating us through the bad stuff. And that's what he did with Joseph. That's what he does with us. That's right. Navigates us through the bad stuff. Absolutely. And in verse 8, he says, So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You know, at this point, these these guys have got to be just, like, they don't know what to do. Well, shell shock. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Now he's he's laying the plan out for him. He's you know I'm gonna well, God did this and don't worry about that and and they've all got to be thinking oh this is the guy we put in the pit, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know this is the guy we put in the pit and he's ruler of all Egypt. He's second to face. He's a father to Pharaoh. This is the guy we put in the I pit. Want, do they have dungeons in Goshen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe they got dungeons in Goshen. <laughs> <laughs> like he's they, they've got to be totally. But that's but that's us looking at it from our perspective, right? And that's how they're doing. That's what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes through this whole plan. You know, I provide for you there uh, because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all belong to you will become destitute. See, Simeon couldn't have been in prison for more than 10 years. They came down after the famine had started. Yes. They still got another five years. This yeah. kind of lets us know the timeline. Probably, we could probably say a year or so. Maybe maybe eight, nine months. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe eight, nine months. I don't know. You know, it, t- it depends on how long it would take to make that travel. That I've not route. been in jail mm-hmm. before. But I would think eight or nine days is probably, you know. It feels like an eternity. Probably. I would think so. You know, especially if you didn't do anything wrong. You did, well, because you believe you're in jail because of what you did to your your brother. You know, so. Maybe you're sitting there thinking just deserves the whole time. But, so either way, so he he lays out this plan. Uh, Verse 12, you can see for yourselves and so can my brother Benjamin that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded uh, accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept and Benjamin embraced him weeping and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Yeah, no kidding. You think they taught you? You think they probably had a conversation? Wouldn't you like to have heard that conversation? That would have been interesting. Uh, No, I think it would have been awesome to hear that conversation to, you know, that these brothers are so relieved because, because this brother has been blessed by God and they're in awe. Can, can't you imagine how, how much I, in awe? There's this, gotta, the last time they saw him, he was in a pit. Begging for his life. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's gotta be, there's gotta be some trepidation there as well, because we know later in the text and we're not there yet, but we know that after Jacob dies, they bring this back up. And they're very concerned about whether he's now that Jacob is dead there, he's going to come after them. Um, and of course, Joseph's response there is consistent with what we've seen so far. And so, but it's very interesting. It's it would have been, I, I, of course, that's one of the that's certainly one of the conversations you know in the Bible that I'd love to. I would have loved to to be in the garden when Jesus, you know, and it, I've got a list of things that I that I would have loved to kind of be there, you know, and kind of see. I'm just curious what the conversation was like between them. It interesting, very I'm interesting. Just, you know, the the questions they must have had. 
and and the apologies and how and the tears that were shed. Oh man, you know, I'm sure. And 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 there's probably some animosity in these kids because there's there was there was a, a ten of these guys that really took part in this, and you know, probably not all of them were on board. Maybe some of them we don't have record of it, but maybe some of them were standing off. And Joseph saw, looked in their eyes, and saw. This guy really doesn't want to do that. Maybe it was Levi. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was one of them. And and so, because he's going to tell them later on when they take off, they're going to say, and don't quarrel on the way back. So there must have been something that they, there was some difference of opinion amongst these guys. Not with Joseph. Right. There, there, there must have been something going on. And Joseph is smart enough because he's, he's uh, every time you see him, he's, he's being blessed. He's doing great things. God's blessing this kid. And so, something, you know, he sees something in them. So I think that, that he probably looks at these brothers and he's probably trying to heal them. I would think he's probably, that's what Jesus does, doesn't he? Yeah. Sees us and tries to heal us. Absolutely. I mean, that's what he means to be a great physician. That's why we said, I think we said last week, there's a hospital. Yeah. Jesus in the process of healing us. And that's what he, that's what he does. He heals. He heals his people. Makes us better. Makes us stronger. Makes us make makes the the pains go away. Makes the things makes uh, the hurts not hurt anymore. Yeah. So I think Joseph was probably doing the same thing with that. I don't. I wouldn't doubt that at all. You know, like I said later, when they when uh, after his father dies, they seek to to try to finagle something from him, some type of forgiveness. I think they. I will get there, but I, if I recall it correctly, I believe. They say, you know, Jacob said, you know, his kind of his last thing was that you should forgive us, right? Like, like they still thought he was holding it, and he, he sent him back. There's nothing to forgive. There's nothing. It's, yeah. you know, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. You know, um, very interesting. You know, what would what did Reuben say to him? You know, for thinking really deeply about this, what did Reuben say? The one who tried to save him but couldn't. Yeah. You know, and gosh, that's got to be. Gotta and that's what I'm talking about. There, there was a difference of opinion amongst these guys, mm-hmm. and it probably festered all these years. Where Joseph is going through all these things, and he's and he's growing and, and maturing, and God's blessing him. On the other hand, these other guys are sitting there dying they're, inside. They're dying inside. Yeah. They're fussing with each that's other, arguing with each other. There, there's a the contrast here of these two these two groups of. Joseph and God on one hand, and these brothers on the other hand, and it and it is different. They they have never healed. Joseph been healed a long time, right? They've never healed, I and there's still some deep, deep wounds there. You know, just the 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 way they feel about what they've done. Mm-hmm. You know, the I mean, they they must they must really despise themselves for what they've done. Because this that was the that was the worst thing they could have done. They turned on their own brother, mm-hmm. and 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 had the idea we're going to kill him. I can't even imagine what, what the you know I my brother and I fought like like cats and dogs, but I never wanted to kill him, man, mm-hmm. never. So I it just I it just I'm, I'm looking at this and saying I like I like to see in this conversation absolutely talk with them because there there was probably a lot of this that came out. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it came out, and Joseph probably, probably probably pulled it out of him. How do you feel? You know, how do, you know. I mean, if he's if he's any kind of a a discussion leader, or any kind of a teacher, or, you know, he's been teaching all of his life, and uh, I think that he would have have the talent to pull some of that out of them. Hmm. I just want. I guess that's from a teacher's perspective. You know, I would want want it 
believe that's what he'd be doing. So in verse 16, the news reaches Pharaoh's palace and Joseph, that Joseph's brother his family had come. Joseph and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this, load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed, tell them, do this, take some carts from Egypt for your children, your wives, get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings. You don't need any of that because the best of all, the best of all Egypt will be yours. So they're really rolling out the red carpet for these guys. Absolutely. So the sons of Israel Why? did this. Because yeah. they love Joseph. That's right. Because Joseph has saved their lives. Joseph and everything he does, he's been a man of integrity. He's like Job. You know, this this is this reminds me very much of Peter when he says, you know, who's there to harm you if you want to do good? You know, now that we now I understand that our society is, you know, where it's at. And, you know, for a lot of people, we're being forced into these positions where we have to choose between Christ and we have to choose between Christ and our faith and then and then what we do in society. Um, but, you know, this is this needs to be the example here. Joseph is, has held on to his faith the entire time, mm -hmm. and this is the outcome. People around you, even in the world, when you are a faithful disciple, when you follow God, people in the world see it, and there are effects. There are effects from it. Yeah. We have, we have, I have experienced it, people coming, you know, you had, have just experienced it. Mm -hmm. Someone calling you and said, you were the first person I thought of. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of you because you're, because of, for one thing. They needed someone spiritual, mm -hmm. and they called you. That that ought to that ought to make you feel ten foot tall and bulletproof. Mm. It ought to make you feel that way because because that means you were what it, when while you were around that individual you were doing the right things, mm. and he didn't forget when he needed that. Now what you'd want is for them to respond all the time and and to and to imitate that, but mo sadly most people don't. Well, it's it's very important that we understand that as we live our lives, we should be preaching the gospel. And I, when I when I say that, I don't mean necessarily verbally stating the gospel. Of course, that that should come along as well. But by our actions and by our lives, but we demonstrate. we've been telling this church, uh, we've been really pounding this church lately. That's that preaching the gospel is not necessarily talking. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's it certainly comes at some point. That's part of it. That's part of but it. But there's only. People, there's only some people that have that ability. If we're going to be the heart, the, hand, the heart and the hands of God, then we have to actually put uh, on the heart and hands of God. Let me, let me. You just made a comment that that you have since Jess broke her leg. You have not. Y'all have not had to cook. Yes. You're eating mm -hmm. something tonight that someone brought to y'all. Yes. Tomorrow someone's bringing something yes. to your house, and you said, "I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with this." Well, when, when. Other people, not you, but when other people hear of this, because you're not going to keep that quiet. You're going to tell somebody, oh, and you'll yes. tell somebody at some point that doesn't know what the gospel is. They don't know what love between brothers and sisters means. They have, And they're going to hear the gospel right then. It says the gospel was first preached to Abraham. Well, it wasn't the death, burial, and resurrection. <laughs> right. The gospel was the good news that God's going to show up, and he's going to Take care of business, and he's going to rule over his his realm. That's right. That's the gospel. Now, the, at the core of it is the death, burial, and resurrection. Absolutely. Oh yeah. 
So, you know, when, when I, I remember Glenn Schmidt told me one time that he had a particular guy that he, that he dealt with. I don't know if it was at work or what, but the guy was not really, not really kind to him or, or, or causing him some problems at work or whatever. I don't remember what it was. And somebody in that guy's family died. And, and I don't, I'm, Glenn, if you're watching and, and I get this wrong, I, I mean, it's been a long time ago you told me this, but he said that they decided to make a, a casserole and they took it to this guy's house. And he said the guy and him his, and the guy's relationship was never the same. After that, it was different. The guy the the guy saw him from a completely different perspective. That's the gospel. That's sharing the gospel. People can do that. There we have people in this church that are great at doing that kind of thing. All right. You know, I know that some people from here took food to the Bracewells who had just lost his mother the other day. Yeah. That stuff. You know, Pam. You know, is a is a is a herald for the gospel just about every day, with someone sending flowers or whatever. You make it known to her about this guy, and she's going to send flowers from this church down to to Alice. To that now, you know, that's her way of doing that of doing the same thing, preaching right. the gospel. So, you know, it's it's you know, God is uh, <clears throat> God has blessed us with with all kinds of different abilities. Okay to do the things that we need to do, that He needs us to do to, to, to share the message of, of the saving message that He has for us. That's right. Yeah. So. And we see the effect it has when, you're, when you are consistent with God's plan, when you're pursuing His, His plan and His will. We, we see it. We see it splashed all over this, Absolutely. this story. And so the sons of Israel did this. They took up Pharaoh on his offer. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away. And as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. And I think this is connected to that other where they had, they had conversation. He learned some things about his brother. Cause remember he hadn't seen him in a long time. Right. So they spent some time talking together, just sitting around the coffee table or sitting around in the living room, mm-hmm. you know, drinking iced tea or coffee. I'm not drinking coffee, but I'm drinking iced tea, you know, and just, and just sitting around and just getting to know each other. Maybe it was over a few days. It may, it may have been over a few days that they just sat and ate together and, and just, and just fellowship together. Wouldn't well, that be what you did with that? And with that type of situation, I'm sure you've got some brothers who were trying to take more blame than they're deserving. You have other brothers trying to maybe skirt some blame. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got brothers on all sides of this thing, and then you've got Benjamin too. I mean, think about Benjamin. Benjamin wasn't there for this. No. Benjamin wasn't a part of this. No. So this was this may be all new for him. So he's going. What the heck are y'all talking? What did y'all? What what were y'all thinking? So, you know, you, you have this whole dynamic. And so how does Benjamin feel towards his other brothers at this point? And that could be a real problem, too. Yeah. You know, you tried to kill my brother. Well, and now know. he sees him from a completely different perspective. And correct. Remind me, what is the cause, root cause of all this again? See him. That's right. So. There you go. Yeah. And I'm always yeah. in the middle of it, right? Yeah. I is always in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. I've never heard that before. It's true. It's I, I true. I'm always, always in the middle, middle of it. That's good. Same all right. So he tells them, don't quarrel on the way. So they went out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's ruler of all Egypt. Ta-da! You can, know, you, like, <laughs> wait till they, can you imagine that maybe part of the quarrel was, how are we going to tell our father? 
What are we going to tell him? Who gets to tell him? What are we going to tell him? Yeah, it's all out of the bag now, right? Now now we have to fess up. And and they could be quarreling about, you know, how are we going to tell him? Who wants to tell him? Oh, my. (sighs) Anyway. Verse 27. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts, Joseph had sent to carry him back. The spirit of their their father Jacob revived, and Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Um, And so I'm sorry, I I jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, Jacob was stunned when he he initially heard the news, and he did not believe them. But when he saw the evidence, you know, I mean, there's a lot of corroborating evidence here. Well, understand, you know, it it hasn't said that he they've told him anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now they maybe don't tell him anything. What would be your inclination? What what would oh if you were one of the brothers? What would your I think I think Israel has I think Jacob here has suspected the brothers for a very long time. That's why he wouldn't let Benjamin go with them. I don't think for one second that. That we they, have no evidence of that. We have no no. There's no, no evidence. Well, no written. so it's it's an implication. I'm, I'm inferring it from the text yeah. when he absolutely refuses to mm-hmm. allow Benjamin to go back with him. I think he's kind of suspected them for a long time, and it's only at the very point where if I don't send Benjamin back with these guys, if I don't do that, I'm gonna die. He's gonna die. We're all gonna die anyway. All of these grandchildren, great grandchildren, we're all dead. If I don't send him back, so if I want to save him, if I want to save Benjamin, I got to send him. And so, but that's my, of course, that is an opinion. It's my opinion from the text, based on. I'm just wondering. It it never tells us that they told him. Right. It never tells us that. Okay. I would like to have had a, a some a, a couple of lines of that conversation. <laughs> well, it says he was stunned yeah. that they that he was still alive. Did they not tell him? Did they skirt around it? Mm. Did they say, well, we'll kind of, we'll tell him, we'll wait and see. Maybe it won't come up. How is it not going to come up? So, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I just, I know human, human nature. And, you know, we spend a lot of time scrambling, trying to get out of problems. Yeah. We'll lie and connive and we'll, and we'll stretch, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll buy our way out. We do all kinds of things trying to get out of out of a problem, and uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know which one because it doesn't tell us. Well, I, it's safe. It's safe to. I think it's safe to assume that he eventually figures it out. At the very least, when he arrives with Joseph, Joseph's probably not gonna not gonna squirm about telling him the uh, truth, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. So, notice the. Uh, did you notice though the change in the name again? Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. So their father Jacob revived. I'm revived. And in the very next verse in 28, and Israel said, yeah, okay, so that, that's going to be important here in verse 46, in chapter 46, excuse me. So we're moving into chapter 46 now. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Notice that name is consistent with Israel. Mm-hmm. So what does Israel mean? One who struggles Struggle with, with God. God. Mm-hmm. So what's the struggle about? Why is he struggling? What, what, why go to Beersheba? Why offer sacrifices? Why does it say to the God of his father, Isaac, what, what's going on in his mind here? Uh, what I, did, what did Abraham do in the famine? When that first famine hit in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham went where? He went down to Egypt. Yeah. God says, Hey, I got your back. 
I'll bless those who bless those, curse you, curse those who curse you. You are my guy. I'm yeah, going to make right. your name that's great right. among all you're the right. nations. Mm-hmm. And so then there's a famine in the land, and Abraham flees to Egypt. Did he talk to God about it? He just fled. Fled mm-hmm. to Egypt, and then immediately sold his wife into prostitution to well, save his butt. Well, that's, you know. So what he did. That's what he did. <laughs> okay. That's what he did. Tell him, tell him when we get there that you're my sister. Yeah. yeah. Not not my husband, right? Yeah, I'm your husband. You're my wife. Don't tell him that. Tell him you're my sister. Well, he didn't actually lie to him. Yeah, well, no, he lied. Yeah, he did. No, he absolutely lied. <laughs> so. We've been, we, we done, we done chased this rabbit around already, didn't we, before? We done. He's struggling, I think. Yes. He's struggling. That's well, why his name changes. I, I like the idea, though, that what it teaches us here is that, you know, when, he's, when he does have a struggle, many times what we do is we don't go to God until we've, until we've exhausted every other avenue. Oh, and then, yeah. oh, yeah, by the way, let me go talk to and God. And that's not what he's doing here. He's being, he has been told to come back to this land. Remember, God said, come back to Padan, from Padanaram, come back to this land. This is the land I want you yeah. in. And now he's been told, to go. He's been told he's, Joseph's in Egypt waiting for him. And so what do I do? You know, we talk about a lot. How do we make wise decisions? How important is it to listen to godly counsel? We have to do that. How Go. important is it to pray? And before Israel just walks off and heads down to Egypt like Abraham did, like Isaac wanted to do until God said, now you don't go to Egypt. Remember when yeah. there was a famine yeah. again? Mm-hmm. So Israel here, he's struggling with this whole thing. He struggled. So then he's going to go. He offers sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. That's that I believe is there to help us key in that this is a covenant. This is a covenant issue. He's going to his God who he is in covenant with. His whole family has been in covenant with. And he's saying, what do I do here? I want to stay true to the covenant, but Joseph's in Egypt. Life is in Egypt. Am I, do am I supposed to go there? And I love God. And God, of course, tells him. God speaks to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. What? What an awesome, awesome promise from God. And Joseph's own eyes, your favorite son, will close your eyes. The one that you thought was dead and is now alive. He's going to close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. I wonder if Israel, well, first of all, I wonder if Abraham ever communicated to his sons the full terms of their covenant, you know, because they were supposed to be circumcised. And that when that covenant of circumcision was given in Genesis uh, chapter, you know, I want to say it was 15, but I think it was 17. Hold on, let me look at that real quick. I'm thinking, yes, circumcision was given in 17, but Mm -hmm. in 15, God promises them that they're going to go down. Right, here it is. Yeah, in 15, he fell into, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be stranger in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. So it doesn't talk about Egypt there. But I wonder if that had been passed down. And I wonder if that was one of Jacob's concerns with going there. Well, one of the things I like here, God shows up, okay? Oh yeah, and he and God shows up and he says, he says, uh, Jacob, Jacob, doesn't call him Israel. No, he doesn't. He calls him Jacob. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, because what remind me? What does Jacob mean? Supplanter. Supplanter. That's Liar. Right. That's right. Liar. Right. Okay. So he says, Jacob, Jacob. Here I am. He replied, I am God, 
the God of your father. He said, Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there, and I will go down to Egypt with you. You know, what a, what a comforting thought to know that when I go into battle, I am not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, that night that, that you were going through the, all that Friday night and all that stuff was going down with you and your family, uh, you know, you needed someone, you know, thankfully you called me and you said you needed someone to say, you know, it's going to be okay. God's got this. You know, I asked you, I said, I said, did you do anything on purpose? And I said, does God know what's in your heart? Yes. That God's got this. God's going to be with you. God's going to be there to fight our battles with us. Sometimes we need to be reminded. And what is what does Jacob need here? He needs God to remind him, I got this. I've got this. I'm going to make you into a great nation there. And your own son, Joseph, is going to close your eyes. That's right. What a comforting thought. It's you huge. Know. It's huge. Well, it's comforting to us too. Sure. Because all, you know, all of this, uh, hold on. All of this, okay, all of that is about bringing Jesus. All the rest of this is about what we do with him. And God telling us, I got this. Us. Not them, us telling us, hey, I got this. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be your God. And and Jesus is going to be the one that, that brings it into, into being. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Man, things we learn here. So then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions. Whoa. <laughs> There's famine in the land. They're taking all these livestock with them? Mm-hmm. Now there's a famine. It, is the livestock not dying of famine? Evidently they got Ev- Evidently not. Evidently not. So, and the reason I bring this up, and I've said this a couple of times, I have a distinct picture in my mind when I think of a famine. Mm-hmm. Um, we, need to make, we need to make sure that what we're thinking of and what the text is trying to communicate are the same things. So obviously, they still had livestock in this famine. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have bread. So what... That seems to be the crux of it. They still had almonds. They still had all these other things. They just didn't have the bread. And so... Well, haven't we talked about this before? We did. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And so I just wanted to point out that just because the book says something, right, doesn't mean that what I understand from that from that perspective okay. is correct. My understanding of a famine is, is everything is dead. Yeah. There's no livestock. There's no food. There's nothing. But what did Joseph tell them? It's got five more years to go. Right, it's got five more it's years. It's going to get bad. So it's going. It's it not is, bad true. yet, but it's going to get there. So it's important to remember that dynamic. And not everything is how you see it. Yeah. And you've got to look at the broader picture. When you have a drought, okay, mm-hmm. when there's a drought, not a famine, but a drought, it takes a while for things, you know, to, for you for people to use up all the water supply, whatever, whether and, and where it really starts to become bad. Right. It's going to take a while. It doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take a while. And so, you know, the, here it's it's going to be seven years. Why does God make it seven years? Because it's going to take a while. He's going to progressively get it worse and worse and worse. And and the people are going to suffer more and more and more as it goes along. The enemy's doing that. Yeah. God is allowing him to do it. Yeah, it's the enemy absolutely. doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. But God's going to allow this to happen. Right. It's going to get worse and worse. They're going to turn to God. And and he's got a plan here. He's right. He's got this plan going on. So, you know, he's going to, he's going to promote, he's going to, he's going to progressively get through this plan. So, 
All right, so they head back. They head back down to Egypt, um, taking with them their livestock. Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons, his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. And so, and then it lists out the names, the names of of Jacob's children, the the, the names of their children. Um, and of course, now some of these, okay, and it does make that mention in verse twelve: the sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan had died in the land of Canaan, mm-hmm. right? We had le- who read about that. Yes. So we see a lot of his sons have had sons, and his sons sons have had sons. And, Look, and the sons of, the, of some of these names, you know them because if you go to Matthew chapter one, they're in there. Yeah. They're in there. They're in the seed line of Jesus. That's right. Perez so, right there is in the seed line of Jesus. So Perez has sons, the sons of Perez, Hezron and Hamul. So how mm-hmm. long was Joseph in prison? He was you in know, prison for a while. You know, I mean, Judah had a child. That child grew up and had children, right? And now, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, not only Judah a grandfather, but Jacob's great-great-grandfather, you know? Yeah. So it's very interesting. Um, so there's this huge genealogy here, um, and it tracks each of the, the lines through the wives and uh, through Jacob. And so all those Even who Benjamin went, has children. Benjamin has children as well. If you go to 21. Mm-hmm, yeah. The sons of Benjamin, Bella, Becker, Ashbel, Garrett, Namim, Ehi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, Mup, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Ard. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyway. Yes, so they were in there for a while. Mm-hmm. That's one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's ten. Is that ten kids. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, that's ten kids. So how many wives did this guy have? If he had one wife, that's ten years. Yeah. You know, if they had him back to back, that's a that's a long time. So yes, that it helps us understand the perspective of what's really going on here. How old were these these guys when all this stuff went down? Um, you know, Judah's a grandfather saying these things mm-hmm. to Jacob. It's really interesting, though. Yep. Okay, verse 26, all those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his sons, sons' wives, numbered 66 persons. With the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family, which went to Egypt, were 70 in all. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brother and his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, they tend livestock, and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from your boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Um, It's an awesome story. Absolutely. It's an awesome story. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing the end of this arc. And this is just the beginning of really the story. Because, right. Because yes. now this whole thing starts to unfold because we're fixing to get in the book of Exodus. That's correct. Um, we're still going to see Jacob's uh, prophecy, Israel's uh, prophecy over yep. his children, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. It's a very, It's very interesting because of not only what he says, but then what God will later say to people like Saul. 
Yeah. What he'll later say to people like Jeroboam. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. The promise, not the, well, yeah, the promises that God states to these men, you know, if you will but obey, I will do this. Right. And so and really, what really happens interesting. when they don't obey? And then what happens when they don't obey? So it's, it's, it's a very fascinating view into how God works within this creation, how he works with people. I think the one thing we need to leave them with is, you know, what do we do with this? Mm. You know, we've tried to give you some, some, you know, here's some practical application. You know, all of us have these dynamics in our family. This is some practical application. I hope it's come across that way. I hope we've, we've, we're, you know, that's what we're going to keep trying to do. Try to give some practical, how does this connect with life today? God is an expert at turning your personal train wreck into a success story. Absolutely. He's an expert at it. Absolutely. He's an expert at taking people who are dark, murderers, with murderous intent, with horrible intent, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe you're not a murderer, maybe you don't have murderous intent, but maybe you have horrible intent. Maybe you mean harm, maybe you don't, but God is an expert at taking people like that and turning them Absolutely. into his sons Absolutely. to his purpose. Absolutely. It's amazing. These, these men are flawed individual. We're flawed individuals. The church is full of flawed individuals made perfect by the blood of Christ. That's absolutely true. God is in the redeeming business, and he wants to redeem you. And that's what this is all about. This plan in the book of Genesis is, the, is just chapter, I mean, it's just book one of God fulfilling the plan of bringing Jesus into the world so his blood can cleanse a lost and dying world. You know, it's, it's, such, a great, it's such a great book um, because these people lived they lived they yeah. did these things they went through these things and god was with them well when you even you, despite the failures even if you despite the look mess at ups. the book of acts and in chapter seven where stephen is brought before the sanhedrin mm. he talks about this he does he talks about joseph and pharaoh and he talks about what happened he's relating history that that he knows better because they can't they can't talk with him because he's smarter than they are the spirit is making is giving him words that they can't comprehend they can't they can't navigate through and so he relates some of this same story you know stephen in acts chapter seven i think we need to i think we need to really look at it and understand that god's got our back absolutely absolutely we may be fixated on sin god isn't he's got our back well what we get fixated on is the stuff that did in the past easily can't get past it easily you know we let it eat us and let it gnaw on us and let it let it define who we are you know, and, and many times we become train wrecks because of it. Yeah. So, you know, thank Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study this text tonight. Thank, Father, we're, we're so grateful that you're, that you're an awesome God you are, that you love us so much, that you're willing, Father, to, to promote and, and to bring about this plan so that, so that we have an opportunity to have a relationship with you. Father, we cannot say thank you enough. There are no words for us to say thank you. But we just pray, Father, that you would, that you would put us in places where we can show you by our lives the thing, how, how grateful we are that we'll show every single day that attitude of gratitude for what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your Son, and thank you for His willingness uh, to take our place on that cross. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen.